Welcome to Disc Coverers, the only podcast online that reads, reviews, and ranks all 41 of Sir Terry Pratchett's Discworld series of comic fantasy novels. Uh, I am your host, Iris J. Pronouns are she or Z. And it is a pleasure to be here. With me are my co-hosts. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Uh, Belina, then June, then Grace. Just selecting at a random order. I mean... You're kind of introducing us there, but all right. I am still Belina. Pronouns are still she slash they. I am still just happy to be here, though slightly less time this week. Yeah, uh, I, I'm still Juniper. Pronouns are still she, her. I, I, I gotta say, a little bit gonna argue with uh, how much of a pleasure it is to be here. Not that I don't love <laughs> the podcasting with my friends, but this is gonna be an interesting one. Yeah. And I am the internet's beloved princess, Grace. She, her, fay fair, if you're spicy. It's an honor to be here and a pleasure to be here with all of you, as much as I'm not looking forward to this book. Yep, so today... (laughs) (laughs) Today we're going to be covering, uh, I believe it is the 17th book in the Discworld series, if you're keeping track, published in 1994... Uh, interesting times, and I hope it doesn't spoil the tone of this entire rest of the show, but, uh, this one, uh, kind of sucked big dog shit, I want to say. Oh I want to say it was really bad. Yeah, I think we're going to have an interesting time talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I want to say, I want to uh, say we kind of got cursed with an interesting time with reading this book. Mm-hmm. I... I feel like I feel like before we start, we should just like give the obvious disclaimer of, "Hey, we're 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 pretty white. We we really don't have the space to, to, to like the we. There's a lot of stuff in this book that we aren't qualified to discuss because of how immensely immensely racist it is towards all of Asia and then some. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. Uh, and. Oh boy, on the one hand, I'd love to like discuss this book with someone who could point out the racism in more personal detail, but on the other hand, I don't want to make anyone read this book, and I sure as hell don't yeah. want to read it again. Th- that would oh, mean inflicting God. this on somebody else, yeah, and I don't, like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, no thank I, you. I'm going to give this, again, the, the tiny little footnote here that we're perfectly aware that this was not really considered as hyper racist in 1994 when it was written as it is when you read it in 2022 we're aware of that but again we're reading this in 2022 we're we're making this all of this stuff in the 2020s to make this big objective list so unfortunately this thing saw age slightly worse than milk in an air fryer yeah and also it it wasn't too great in 1994 in my opinion it's still so recent like yeah uh, that's kind of that's kind of one of the main thrusts behind this podcast is that like the Discworld series is often viewed as this monolith as this one thing that uh is consistent and should be viewed as a whole when in reality like there are definitely some books in it that are better than others and that have aged better than others the fact that this came out in between like Men at Arms and Soul Music which wasn't the best book but which was a pretty good book and then like the next ones are like Masquerade and Feet of Clay that Feet still of Clay blows is literally my maybe my mind. favorite disc Feet of Clay is literally maybe my favorite Discworld book the fact that that came out two books after this one is just yeah. how I don't understand which like considering Terry's writing pace that was probably like the year after 
that's yeah. nuts. Oh. So, uh, I get. I guess we could do the summary before we really dive into mm. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, handled by our expert synoptrics, Belina. Uh, whenever you're ready, Belina, feel free to take it away at your own pace. I believe in you. <laughs> I believe in you too. Okay. The gods are at it again, having decided to break out the Orientalist expansion to their Discworld playset. Lady Luck and Fate are going to compete to see who can control the fate of an empire. Lord Hong, Grand Vizier of the Gated Empire, wants to do the thing all Grand Viziers do and backstab everybody, planning to invite foreign influence, sending a demand in the Emperor's name to Ankhmer Bork, seeking the quote-unquote Great Wizard. As nobody on Unseen University really wants to answer the call, and because the request was for the Great Wizard with two Zs, they employ Hex and some complicated translocation spells to find and summon Rincewind, bully him a bit, then send him hurtling back across the disk. Rincewind lands at high speeds, taking out a, platform, a platoon of soldiers and meeting up with his old friend Kohan, who has gathered the rest of his geriatric barbarian friends and plan to steal the Empire itself. And in a continued attempt to run from any, everything and anything, Rincewind bumbles into the local resistance faction, the Red Army, which is nothing more than war orphans putting up mildly worded posters. Much of Agadia, Red Army included, has been and led to believe that the travelogue written by Twoflower when he came back from vacation is a revolutionary tract, and that Rincewind is a great wizard who will leave the, lead them all to glory. Rincewind keeps trying to flee, but through sheer dumb luck, appears to perform a couple more miraculous feats and gets the army into the Forbidden City, while Kohen and his people sneak in the back way. The Red Army is betrayed, captured, and led to escape so that they can take the fall for the Emperor dying. This doesn't really pan out, what with Kohen being here and throwing everything into chaos. A very tiny war breaks out, which goes further sideways as Lady Luck rigs up a freak hurricane, and Rincewind plays Lemmings for a while. Lord Hong tries one last gambit, but Rincewind gets pulled out of trouble, accidentally lands about six books in the future. He takes one last blow to the head, and we all put the book down. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And thank there you. you have I it, would folks. I would like to clarify. I would like to clarify. We have no idea who that lady is. She could be anyone. Just just for the mm. record, just just mm. just in case, just so you know anyone listening out there, we have no idea who the lady is. Could be anyone. The idea that it could be some sort of lucky fortune sort of thing is just just a theory, just a theory. Mm. Fortune. Yeah. 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 Some sort of yeah. fortunate yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, just a, just a theory. I will say a that book you... theory. <laughs> Heyo. But uh, yeah, this this book wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. No, <sighs> no. It's and it's wild because um, it so clearly like starts as like there's a bunch of references to like the color of magic and like to the light fantastic and even to like sorcery. Like mm-hmm. there's yeah. a bunch of like um. Terry is trying to be like, yo, here's that shit you like. Remember that guy you like? Remember the guy who everybody <laughs> loves? Discworld guy. You know him. He's back, and he's on another rollicking adventure. And then, like, we get a little bit of shit with the wizards, and that's fun. And we get a little bit of, like, Hex the supercomputer, which yeah. I really liked. That's Love really Hex. cool. I know, like, okay, so Hex was great. I, I feel like... Do we want to talk about, like, our actual, like, things we liked about the book and our complex feelings? Or do we just want to dive into, like... Pratchett wrote racist stuff first because these mean, are two directions. I, I mean, there is stuff here that I feel like if we weren't if if it had taken place somewhere yeah, else I, would have I, been much more interesting. I I found it kind of interesting the no, the notion that they played much more heavily with Rincewind is overtly a plaything of the lady. Like mm-hmm, that mm. was kind of that was kind of a side plot sass goof in the first couple of books mm-hmm. and it i don't remember it getting mentioned at all after that 
But yeah. now suddenly it's just everything he does here is very, very explicitly him just being a pawn. Yeah. He, he has next to no agency despite his best efforts to, I guess, have no agency. But mm-hmm. it's there's there's the germ of a good idea here. The problem is that, yeah, you just can't. He, it's it's changing him from one note to another. Yeah, like I, I like the lady yeah. a lot more than I like Rincewind, but like, we still have to like spend a lot of time with Rincewind. Well, he doesn't really do all that much. So, so I mean, he does things, but like he never wants to do them. This is kind of my big thought about this book. This is kind of the thing. Here's the question: If this book had been not really kind of racist top to bottom all the way through, and also the weird shit involving the way it talked about barbarians and making a lot of jokes Mm -hmm. about raping women and such. Like, if it hadn't had that, I still think I wouldn't have liked it very much. Yeah, like, even... It would have been pretty boring regardless. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, like, I get, like, the thing about Rincewind, and I can't believe that I'm fucking defending the color of magic and the light fantastic here, but the thing about Rincewind is he's... He's a joke delivery device. He's, you throw him into a situation and jokes happen around him. In this book, Terry's writing style has shifted enough from the early books that, like, jokes just don't, like, happen like that anymore. And so they're really, like, I kept trying to look for, like, oh, here's my favorite groaner, here's my favorite footnote. But, like, there really weren't a lot of, like, jokes in this book. It just wasn't a very funny book. It wasn't yeah. really entertaining. I, yeah, I do, okay. Like, this is this is a really stupid complaint, but I just want to lay it out there. They make this huge deal about Cohen buying an apple, teaching him how commerce works, but at the same time, he spends his loot. He knows what commerce is. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't work, and the plot kind of just is there a lot of the time. It doesn't really work that well and isn't interesting, and the villain is not kind of... Once again, like, the villains of this era often feel like a villain that Pratchett would do later much better, but bad. And yeah. it it just, it's not very good. That's not including the big problems the book has. It's just not very interesting. Yeah, like, usually when I when we do one of these, I have my little steno pad and I take notes of all the stuff I'd like and want to talk about her. Occasionally the bad stuff, but... Usually I get, like, three or four stenopad pages, three to five or so. I have one page on this book, and that's because at some point I just stopped bothering to write down all the parts that sucked. Yeah. It's... There's, there, there is stuff I like. Like y'all mentioned, I really like Hex. That's a, that's a great yeah, thing. Hex. Big fan of that. Uh, there are some jokes with Rincewind that I enjoyed quite a bit, and some bits with the barbarians I thought were fun and stuff, and there's parts of it that I enjoyed, but just on the whole, it just wasn't great. There, wasn't there, was, really good. there was one bit in the prison where Rincewind actually loses his shit and gets very angry at the the... The, the ideas that the Red Army are spouting out and saying this the moment that you stop you start treating things more important than people you're none of this is ever going to work and I, I don't know if that, that was really a good scene but it was so out of the ordinary for him to actually voice an opinion other than mad screaming mm-hmm. yeah that it was actually a highlight for his character it would be more interesting to see a rincewind who has actually taken his 
cowardice and survival tactics and like actually elucidated them into a philosophy. But again, that, yeah. that wouldn't be as interesting as man makes joke about running away from thing. I don't know. You can you can kind of feel that in that scene where there's kind of this like he, he talks about kind of having a philosophy of running away and he keeps living and that matters and all this stuff. And it's it's almost there. But you can, uh, it almost felt like you could feel Pratchett going, but of course, Rincewind can't actually say something like that. He can't actually mm-hmm. have beliefs because, well, this is Rincewind, you know? And it just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, all right, sure, go back to the same jokes and the same bullshit, and it's not very good. Yeah, because yeah. that's, the thing is that, like, if you're writing... If you're writing a a book that's supposed to be funny, like you're you know you're writing a a comedic novel, every joke that doesn't work is a drain on your audience's supply of goodwill. So even when you get to like, you know, by the time you get to like the jokes that work, you know, you're yeah. so like, you know, your your brain just like expects it to be racist or like otherwise not work or not really be funny. So it doesn't it doesn't work. Like oh yeah, you can't evaluate them independently. Like probably the best joke in the book is the one about. They're talking about hang- being hung, drawn, and quartered. They're like, well, how do they draw you? Well, they take your intestines out and show them to you. How how are you quartered? Well, they chop you up into pieces. How are you hung? <laughs> God damn it! There was yeah, there, there there's that. There was a one. There was like, so like another thing is like all the funny little references that Pratchett mm-hmm. does because he loves doing that shit. Like in here, they're just kind of exhausting. At the end of the book, there's the whole scene with the army that Rincewind controls, and he controls them through the icons for lemmings. Yep. Yep. Which is, that, that that would be a funny bit, except at that point, I was so tired that I just kind of saw it, was like, okay, that's a thing. And it didn't even register for me because I was just so tired of the book. Yeah. As I, if this book wasn't loathsome enough, gamer humor. <laughs> I know, See, I, I okay. like Pratchett's gamer I, humor. I like when he does that in a book that's good, and it's just kind of a one-off. You're like, I see what you did there. And I, it might be a little bit outdated, but I don't mind because it's funny, and the book is funny. I mean, he, honestly, wasn't. the L-Space annotation about that being a Lemmings reference was funnier than the actual implementation yes. because it, there's the mention in the L-Space archive that he was asked this and said, oh, that's preposterous. Why would someone think that a bunch of icons for digging, building bridges, and marching is a reference to Lemmings? Not only do I not have a copy of Lemmings anymore, it's because I removed it from my computer and then overwrote the disc, so I couldn't have it anymore. <laughs> and that, that's funny, because, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a good way to acknowledge why that was stuck on his mind, but... Mm-hmm. There's, also, there's also a weird thing in this book where there's a lot of jokes that i feel like could have worked if they weren't bogged down in a lot of racism mm-hmm. like yeah there's the scene where uh rincewind's escaping and he keeps trying to like stir up trouble at the palace to try and get away and stuff going on and he runs into a bunch of sumo wrestlers mm-hmm. and there's a oh couple of there's a couple of good jokes like someone yelling the wrestlers are restless or mm-hmm. like the the joke of just like here's a bunch of people all chasing around a guy in the scene. But it's surrounded by him just being really, really gross about 
all of Asia and also fat people in this specific scene in the worst possible way. So mm-hmm. the good jokes are just like, I don't want this. Please don't. Mm-hmm. It makes everything yeah, that's, worse. That's I, like immediately before Rincewind gets a disguise by running into like, uh, like the laundry part of the palace yeah, because I, we got to have a Chinese laundry oh scene. God. And then also a guy hey. painting a plate. Because okay, it's but, like he's going down like a list okay, of like the, what are what are Asian stereotype things? Okay, I will I will grant that the the plate one was at least funny because if you realize what he's painting and it's a very specific pattern that is just this chaotic bunch of nonsense summed up by everything that just ran through that ran through the garden there. But that's about as far as I can give it. <laughs> yeah, I. It's just it's not it doesn't work. I feel like if the sort of book had kind of, I don't know, been about something else, been set somewhere else where I wasn't constantly cringing and feeling bad, I, you know what it reminded me of? What? Has anyone ever played the Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines game? <laughs> oh, you know it. Sure have. So when you play through that game, you play through a lot of it and you go, wow, this is kind of seedy and gross. But on the other hand, every Vampire the Masquerade Bloodline, every Vampire the Masquerade game I've ever been in has been seedy and gross because mm-hmm. you always play them with a DM that's slightly weird and you're a bit uncomfortable with, but you're having too much fun being a vampire to quit, even though you probably should. Um, and there's a lot of weird stuff in the game, but you put up with it because it's a game like nothing else. So genuinely, I've never played a game quite like it. There's a section of the game you finally get to called Chinatown. Mm -hmm. And I went into it. And when I came out of it, I kept thinking, I could not find a single thing in this entire area that was not a weird racist trope. Every single character, every single interaction, everything that happened was like, wow, that's, that's kind of a very specific weird racist trope about China and Chinatown and Asian people. Huh. That that's how reading this book felt. When I came away from it, it was just like, wow, every single thing that happened in this area, like going down a list, just clicking every single box for a here's a trope that's not great and not good. No. He, he makes uh. two goddamn eating dogs jokes. What the fuck, Terry? Christ. Yeah. And like he makes, he makes the a other... lot of them. <sighs> The other thing, too, is that, like, it's not just the superficial racism of, like, the stereotype things. Oh, boy. It's also, like, worse than that is, like, I arguably worse than that, IMO, uh, is, like, the ideology he puts behind oh, yeah. those racist mm-hmm, observations. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, in the book, the idea is that the Agatian Empire is... Uh, a few blood-crazed warlords ruling over a massive population of essentially docile and terrified underlings. Um, yeah. Everyone who isn't a member of the ruling class or of the Red Army is essentially completely interchangeable and cowers at a moment's notice in front of any authority. Mm-hmm. Um, the main villain character is actually bored by how high he's risen and wants to go to Ankh-Morpork, a place where there are real uh, politicians and real civilization that he can engage with. That coming from anyone to describe, like, an entire continent uh, 
sucks. That coming from a British guy, a country that did try to colonize China and was successful at parts of it until, like, super recently. That's fucking nuts. You can't just say that shit, Terry. You can't just say that shit about a place, Terry. Holy fuck. Actual quote from very early on in the book, and I'm sorry for you doing this. Uh, quote, since disobedience to authority did not come easily to the Ajatian character. He just says that. Christ. He's just... It's like some hey, phrenology yeah. shit. It sucks. Oh my god. I think... So, to get into this and maybe defend Pratchett a little bit in a way he doesn't fucking deserve here, I think part of the problem is that there's two competing things here. One is Pratchett... I've seen Pratchett do this same thing where he describes, like, look at this populace that's so beaten down. But he does it like, here's the workers at a factory being oppressed by the guy in charge. Here's these mm -hmm. people in this way that I understand. So I think a bit of what's happening is Pratchett's going, I know a universal thing for people being oppressed and what it does to people. But because his book isn't about a small group of people who might have had something happen to them, but instead you've decided to stereotype the entire continent of Asia and then some. You're not going, look at these people who had a bad time. You're going, all Asian people are like, it's awful. It's so bad. It's, it just, it's the meeting of the two worst possible things where he wants to do his jokes about, haha, Chinese laundry, sumo wrestlers, isn't that funny? And also do his, and when you think about it, authority is actually, and they just collide into the worst possible story. Mm -hmm. it sucks it's bad it really does Ugh. and also like like the red army are portrayed as specifically like kind of a joke they're really like incompetent and don't they like rincewind in his little like rah-rah dungeon speech paints them as uh short-sighted and self-serving that they're not going to really do an effective revolution because they only want to put themselves in charge and they they only have these empty sloganeering and it's like a very like hey, hey pratchett hey pratchett uh who who won like uh like, have you heard of yeah. this guy mao uh can, can you tell me like who's in charge of china right now like what what, what party do they call themselves yeah. just like just and for like, the record like what happened with and those I revolutionaries be, and i want to be clear like that isn't me like that isn't me making an abrupt, like, Chinese nationalist turn on Discoverers. God knows. I, Iris J's American McGee moments. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, okay, hold on now. No one will understand that reference, but I'm just <laughs> worth it. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, it betrays a lack of research and a lack of interest in if you're going to talk about this political thing if we're going to have a talk about kings and emperors and systems of governance like every discworld book is essentially about when you get right down to it then like put in the work at least yeah do mm -hmm. some research it feels consider it either go either not as specific as I'm going to stereotype an entire country or be like okay we're talking about this country but like at least I like 
read about it and thought about it and have processed it a little bit better than just like, here's a bunch of fucking Chinese laundry jokes. It feels, I don't know. It feels extremely, extremely like Pratchett just going, oh, I know this. I know what it's like. I know what revolutions are like. I know how they work. I know what yeah. uh, these uh, leftists are like. I know what people are like. I can apply my personal experiences as a white British dude to literally everything. Yeah. Oh, God. And it's a, it's, it's a weirdly cynical take. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's, there's just nothing good there. It's so bad. Ugh. Mm. <sighs> Yeah. Plus, like, and this is a weird complaint point, too. Um, I I never, I, again, things I never thought I'd be saying on this podcast. I feel like they kind of did Two Flower a little dirty in this book. Yeah. You know? I Two Flower was yeah. one of the few parts of this book I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I liked him when he showed up. Yeah. When he showed up. Yeah. Uh... It, most- it was kind of like seeing an old friend again. It was nice, but I was like, that. I was like, get, when I was getting into the book, I was like, okay, I just got to hold on until Two Flower gets here. Once he gets here, then things are gonna at least find some steady ground again. I'm gonna, we're gonna get the old Laurel and Hardy act. It's gonna be mm-hmm. great. But he just doesn't show up, and when he does, it's like he's almost a background character. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's Rincewind yells at him and then fucks off. Mm-hmm. It, it honestly seeing two flower again reminded me how even though a lot of his stuff was cringe how often funny and entertaining his dynamic with Rincewind was where Rincewind didn't want to do anything and two flower wanted to do everything and that bounced off each other in a way that was funny and Rincewind being as cynical as possible and two flower being like this can't possibly be bad and in the end somehow it works out for both of them was at least it was fun to read sometimes. But what if instead Rincewind didn't want to do things and Two Flowers' wife was dead? <laughs> right? Have you considered that comedic chemistry? Right? Oh my god. Like, oh. I can't believe they made Two Flower a wife guy and made her dead. Oh uh. god. Speaking of wife guys, how about the luggage? Yeah, I, like I do. It was okay. wild that like the book just says the 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 luggage learned what sex was in Ankhbor pork. I I okay. I guess and that's like not something you can learn. Power in tools. China, you can't learn what sex is. Okay, cool. All right, uh, this book is good. It's not. Oh. Welcome to Tight B- Duffels, the podcast within a podcast that <laughs> accentuates all the subtleties. I, Together we're talking about uh, which Discworld characters know how, how to have sex. Uh, we get confirmation that the luggage does fuck in this book. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And they that is kids. a gem, I feel. Uh, yeah. It procreates. And then it, and then it fucks off. The luggage yeah. is not only a dad, it's a deadbeat dad. <laughs> it's it's so uh, weird how it happens, and it's just kind of like, there's like five asides about it in the book, and it shows up at the end, and they go, huh, the luggage fucked. And that's it. It doesn't yeah. really have any bearing on the plot. It doesn't interact with anything. I mean, it just shows up. That whole side plot was to keep the luggage away from Rincewind, because it was very important that Rincewind not have anybody useful to bounce off of for yeah. the whole book. Yeah, or anyone funny mm. or interesting to bounce off of. Yeah, like it, it kind of has the pyramids problem where when the book starts, we have like we have the unseen university and they're fun. Like I like the wizards here. I like 
Ponder Stibbons. I like Hex. I like the way they all bounce off each other. And then, like, we don't see them for most of the book. Ah. <sighs> it's... Ugh. I also, I also yeah. want to say, uh, there may be people who come into this and go, well, you just don't understand. Pratchett was specifically parodying, like, uh the imperialist China with the forbidden city and these specific attitudes. And that's why he's saying they're so bad. And no, the book basically takes jokes about every single place in Asia. It can think of including things that are more middle East. Honestly, it's very confusing it just goes for everywhere everything from as we said chinese laundry jokes to sumo wrestlers to uh just baffling shit all over the place sure it's this specific thing is like oh it's like that one part of china but it's no more about that than it is just anything it wants to come up with at any given moment it's just bad he, he says sami's dad at one point which Weirdly, he uses correctly and not very racially, but, like, that's a an Eastern European block thing. There's a lot that I don't have the... I don't have the capacity to fully unpack a lot of this book. <sighs> I'm too white, and I don't want to, because it just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Before we move on from this, <laughs> is there anything... Is there anything else that's just, like... Anything else on this vein of it just being really kind of gross about an entire continent? I, too, am very white, and there's a lot of things in this book that I can't unpack. But what I can unpack is that you can't trust racist old white people, and that is what the Horde essentially are. Oh, God, We're supposed to find them charming. We're supposed to find them, oh, those old codgers. Those Uh, those lovable old skips. They say all sorts uh, of things, but they don't really mean it, do they? They're really kind of like, I mean, you really got to love them, don't you? Huh? Um, You don't got to love them. You know, it hit me. You really don't got to hand it to him. It hit me while recording this podcast that this 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 book is literally about an old racist washed up white guy showing up and conquering an entire Asian uh, like entire continent of Asia simply because everyone around him is too stupid to realize what he's doing. Even stranger. It's a guy named after Genghis Khan. Weird how that works out. (laughs) See, yeah. That could actually be a mildly funny gag if he wasn't also just a weird white British dude. (sighs) Yeah, like, if there was, like, I don't know. This, again, like, if you had done the research into, like, like, the actual, because, because, like, you know, the actual research behind, like, the Mongolian invasion and the, the dynasty that came after that where they ruled for, like, several hundred years and stuff, um... And it's, it's like a really interesting part of Chinese history. Yeah, you, but like, you could have done some really good gags about like and you could the have done, barbarians. And like, we don't know anything about like how Cohen got started or like what his younger life was like or like how he's kind of processing that in his old age. But all of that is not as important as this old white guy was right, actually. And we need to show how fucking epic and based he is. Yeah, uh, and... Rincewind, another white guy, saves the day by finding the Red Army at the right time. Yeah. It's because the locals are too superstitious and obedient to bother looking for the tools of their own liberation. 
it's it's bad it's it's awful (laughs) yeah and like like once again like yeah you could have done all of that with like the here's the the barbarian mongol hordes but kohan isn't that he's Mm-hmm. He's a specifically like Conan the Barbarian. He is a very, very specific like English myth sort of mm-hmm. thing in every mm-hmm. single way. In the way he talks about heroism, and the way he talks about basically everything, in the way he talks to every single person in the Empire. So instead, it's just really gross. It's mm-hmm. awful. Also, he's yeah. gross, and his entire band is gross. And I don't like hearing them talking about women it's bad yeah yeah that sucked ass i could have done with uh about a hundred percent less of those jokes that that was uh not funny every time it came up and it came up more times than i was really expecting yeah Uh, it's supposed to be funny because they're like, oh, they're old people, so they don't have the capacity to sexually assault anyone. But it's like... like they, they make that joke the what? first time around. And Rincewind goes, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, just let just let him dream. And then they just keep making the jokes for the rest of the book unexamined. No! No! <sighs> I didn't say it was good. I'm just saying that they tried to yeah, have yeah, their cake, yeah. eat it too, and throw it at the same time. <sighs> All right. But yeah, now, sorry. I just wanted to bring up that I really didn't like any scenes with the Horde in them. And I really didn't like Teach either. Sorry. Sorry we're lingering on all this shit. Teach is a fun idea. It's it's an idea that Pratchett does many times. It's an idea he does way, 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 way later with a A.E. Pessimal in a much, much better way. Way better. It's very funny, and eventually we'll get to that book, and some people will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, like, the the idea of, like... Yeah, you don't. No, I think I'm the only person who has read. Uh, it's unseen academicals, I believe, or thud. I have oh read my it. god, it's the sports one! Time. Holy shit! Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I haven't. There's a there's 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 it might have been thud. I don't remember which one it is, but uh, either one. Uh, like the idea of like, t- like unassuming, not super like very mild person actually like completely willing to go full barbarian rage at everyone around them just because their job is so miserable in a way that impresses people who are used to it. It's a funny gag. It doesn't work here. It, it really doesn't work. It, it works maybe no. a little bit towards the end, but for the rest of the book, he's just kind of there and annoying. Yeah, he's kind of there, like, trying to herd the cats that are the Silver Horde. Like, he just... Uh, he just either comes across like he's putting up with them for reasons he really shouldn't be. Like, why are you dealing with these old dudes who are racist and bad? Or that he's just kind of making the more interesting plot stop happening by forcing them to not kill anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where was the one note? <sighs> There's some really weird ideology that he gets into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They strode, or in one case wheeled, and in another case moved at Mr. Savaloy's gentle trot down the hall. The taxman trailed after them. Mr. Savaloy, he shouted, you know what's going to happen. Have you lost your senses? Yes, said the teacher, but I may have found some better ones. 
He grinned to himself. The whole of his life so far had been complicated. There had been timetables and lists and a whole basket of things he must do and things he shouldn't do, and the life of Mr. Savaloy had been this little wriggly thing trying to survive in the middle of it all. But now it had suddenly become very simple. You, ha you held one end and you poked the other into people. A man could live his whole life by a maxim like that, and afterwards get a very interesting afterlife. This... So, like... Man, that's just... That's some, like, Proud Boy shit, though, right? It's, like, that's some, like, uh, yeah. militant fascism, right? It, like, that's some, like, like, as long as I'm finding someone else to oppress, then I don't need to think about anything else, and I can just become a tool for this whole system of thought. I don't even... As I long as I can hmm. think of myself as a badass and keep finding enemies to slaughter, yeah. I can always know exactly where i stand i think that's like poisonous i think that's the thing is like on its own it could just be kind of a fun thing about how actually uh just blood everywhere in this very over-the-top way but because it's combined with all of the rest of the book it comes across mm -hmm. as this deeply Actually, the weird barbarian conquerors who just want to kill everyone are very smart and good, and they're right, and uh, yeah. I like the white people who are going to kill people. Not to quote another group that would later turn out to be actual right-wing freaks, but like in like the movie Monty Python and the Meaning of Life, the bit at the beginning with the crimson permanent assurance is literally this joke about old people working in an office who decide to instead choose a life of violence and piracy. But it is funnier because it is more absurd and also less about, like, actually colonizing a nation. It's um, also about beating up a bunch of other accounts. So, you yeah, know. it's about beating up a bunch of like yuppies, which is always fun and should be encouraged. Um, I think I think that's really this is kind of like Pratchett loves to do. He loves to do. Here's my comedy set in a setting that, you know, using tropes that, you know, where I'm subverting them and playing them with them in fun ways. But at the same time, I'm going to try and do something more interesting with them as I dive into it. And this is in mm -hmm. that era. It's past the era where he's just doing stupid comedy like the old Rincewind books. And this is kind of the absolute worst of it because the comedy's bad. It's mm -hmm. mostly racism. There's moments where it isn't, and those are funny, but it's mostly racism or gross shit. And the points mm -hmm. he's making are unresearched weirdness that's either him spouting off his personal British opinions in the middle of a foreign country, basically, or completely ignorant ideas about China. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those two things come together to make both of themselves worse. The combination is so much worse than either of them individually, and that's why this book is really bad, and I don't think you should read it if you're listening to this. Skip it. Don't read it. It's not good. Yeah. No. Did we want to, did we want to, like, talk about, just to turn this into a compliment sandwich, I guess, did we want to talk <laughs> about, like, the scraps that we liked, It's I a guess? It's a compliment yeah. sandwich, but because the end of it is going to be us, uh, talking about how bad it is again when we rank it the compliments are just like a thin sh a thin little uh, piece of meat in the this, middle this is a compliment big mac yeah. no, okay th no yeah. what's, go what's going on here is just the fact that the stuff on the the, the stuff in the middle is just soaking through and making the bottom really soggy yeah yeah, yeah. <sighs> Ugh. Uh, I, I, so 
Uh, we, well, I'm, I'm done with that, though. Well, what, what did y'all actually enjoy about this book? Things that either you liked or you thought could have been done better. I, I think I mentioned, like, most of the good jokes, but there was also the, you know, okay, the conversation, like, oh, the bad guy has spies everywhere, and then the other guy, like, lifts the uh, lid off a, off a, a vase, says, hey, you in there. You doing okay with your little notebook? You need anything? Good, get this one down. And then, like, keeps talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some fun stuff like that. Uh, I, we all love Hex. Mm-hmm. Big, mm-hmm. vaguely yes. sentient love a computer. computer. Hex is cool. Fucking great. Love, love a computer achieving personhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. I love that it, like, told little jokes and stuff. Uh, that was really fun. Yeah. I like that it kept, like, upgrading itself. Like, it, when the book starts, it's like outputting like blocks with magical sigils on them and then like like a day later it has like a quill so it can have like an actual printer going on uh i'm excited to see more hex in the books to come yeah they, they start I, calling hex he instead of it yeah that would have been basis for an, an entire book right there mm-hmm. like the discworld computing book yeah. i would have loved to read that I loved. I I, I I enjoyed Ponder's interactions with Hex as you yeah. get to see him go from like always the straight man to the straight man who also definitely thinks he may have accidentally made a sentient AI and is kind of really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, good. It's a great bit for his character. It worked really well. Uh, Ponder to get fired from his job at Google after he falls in love with the sentient <laughs> computer. <laughs> <laughs> I I I I will say I did enjoy the it was incredibly fucking obvious how the bad guy was going to die at the end with them putting the cannon back but mm-hmm. the the joke of them getting the cannon and not being able to figure out what it does and putting it out at the last second and then Ridicully just being like yeah of course we'll light it send it back as we found it like yeah. they're they're assholes but in a funny way and it yes, works. like you know, this is going to happen. Cartoon style, you're just waiting for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Rincewind, uh, Rincewind piloting one of the terracotta remote control terracotta statues or whatever by like and trying to get a, his message across by playing charades. That was funny. God, yeah, yeah. That's that was point. very funny. Actually, yeah. that I- was like. After all that bullshit, that was good. Okay, the payoff there of like we only see the first half of it, and then they then Two Flower arrives to rescue Rince. Was like, no, 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 we couldn't figure out the other hat. We couldn't figure out the other part of your name there. But once you started panicking, then we got it in one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good bit. Uh, oh. mm-hmm. And okay, we would be remiss if we didn't say that like the end of this bo- at the end of this book, oh, Rince yeah. winds up in Discworld Australia. Oh boy, oh, wow. I am I am I'm, not thinking about that. I am not thinking about that we because got... I'm even less qualified to talk about somewhere where it's like, like at least we got the... three pages left. Mm. We got to put in all the Australian stereotypes at once. Go! Well, yeah, yeah, the thing is, like the, the Aboriginal like... folk there that are talking like a bunch of well, but yeah, yeah the... like. At least with the way that Pratchett is racist about Asia, it's just he's racist in this way. It's very simple. I don't have to unpack his thing being like, and now we're going to do Australia, where we're going to have a bunch of Aboriginal people saying things like shrimp on the Barbie. I don't have to, like, dive into the problems and complications there. I could just be like, this is fucking bad. It's going to be difficult to do the next one. (laughs) 
I'm yeah. really curious. I, I remember, like I said, I remember liking The Last Continent a lot when I was a teenager, but that was mostly because, like, I, I thought that Australia was really cool when I was like 13 i, mean, I can't which, explain why it just seemed like that's why there is a the last continent because pratchett thought that australia was really cool he spent a good chunk of his life remember there. like this this was a thing there was like australia craze in the past there was a whole simpsons episode about it with the yahoo serious huh. festival that's why we had uh, the rescuers down under yeah wild that's the best that's the best disney movie they ever made <laughs> it's really good it's really good um can we just talk about that for the rest of the episode <laughs> The Rescuers Down Under? Yeah, yeah that movie just, whips. What, what mm-hmm. we'll do is when we get to The Last Continent, we'll actually just do a, like, just do a if, synopsis if, of The Rescuers the, Down Under. Listen, see if if, straight up. If, if The Last Continent is bad, if it's a bad book and we all come out of it like, oh, that was not great and we're not going to do it, there will be a bonus episode. We will do it. You will get to hear us yeah. do it. Yes, this we promise. We promise. Absolutely. If it's a good book, we might do the bonus episode anyways because we we like it. But if it's a mm-hmm. bad, book, yeah, but I, we'll do I just it. like I like the rescuers down under. It's it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's good. I like I like the little I like the little rat in it with the hat. He, he's hot. Yeah. Also, I like I like most of the rats. I think most of the rats in the movie are hot. I guess they're mice technically. I think a lot of cartoon animals are sexy, I guess. Yeah, I think it's fun they have uh, their own little, like, Mouse UN and their own, like, Mouse Rescue <laughs> Network. I think that's fun. It's very, oh, yeah. uh, it's very, uh, Radigan, very Mouse Sherlock Holmes. Well, it's, it's smart of them because, yeah. um, it's actually a sequel to the original Rescuers movie from back in the 70s, which is based on a book. But the original Rescuers movie is one of the most depressing Disney movies ever made. So it's nice that they make it so you don't need to know any of that stuff <laughs> in order to go into the Rescuers Down Under. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, so uh, did, we have, did we have anything else we wanted to talk about with this book? Yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to say one more thing, which is that like there were a lot of gags in this that I feel like could have been mildly funny jokes that were maybe a bit like mm, I don't know about that if the rest of the book wasn't just massively bad yeah like there's a joke mm-hmm. where uh, there's a joke where the families in charge of the country there's like four oh god what are the what I don't remember what the names of them are it's like a Fang, Hong, Tang. Yeah, stuff like that. Uh, and then Sung one of them is named McSweeney. One of them yeah. is named McSweeney. And the joke is every time someone's like McSweeney, and they just go, "Oh, very, very old, established family in this thing." And like that would be a mildly funny gag, having just one thing that's really out of place. But I couldn't appreciate that gag because the joke that didn't work. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. maybe there was some good bits in this book that you could have pulled out if you were careful. But it wasn't a careful book. It was not. And yeah. in, then all of the bits that could have been good just end up being... Ugh. Yeah, every time you come across something that that's, might be amusing, you're like, ah, but is this like... I can't separate this from the... Like, the whole, like, they have a little who's on first about we are no actors, NOH actors. And yeah, then but... it goes back and forth. And like, you, Rince Winter, are no actor, NO actor. And, you know. It... Ah. I'd like to go on record saying that uh, the joke that I liked the least, I think, uh, besides all the racist ones, was the uh, your wife is a big hippo one. Yeah. Uh, that one was a mild, like, maybe like point two of a chuckle when I read it the first time. Uh, but then Terry decided that we hadn't possibly heard it the first time. So he repeated it about 1,700 more yeah, times. Anytime anyone could possibly say it. didn't say get our... any better. 
Monkey yeah. Island actually showed how to use that joke properly, but even then they used it in a way that people generally probably wouldn't notice. Where in mm -hmm. Curse of Monkey Island, there's this one plant that if you look at it, if you look at the little plaque next to it, Guybrush reads out, ah, the native Papapichu plant, named after the native word for youch. And so for the rest of the game, anytime anybody screams out in pain, they go, ah, Papapichu instead. <laughs> That's... But you only know that but you only know that gag is there if you went through the game without reading the plaque once or something. Huh. Mm -hmm. That's that, yeah, that's actually mildly funny. I yeah. I, I I'm trying to think of other stuff in this book to even think about. We had Two Flowers' daughter who was there. It does have that, two yeah, kids. Yeah, she was yeah, yes. I guess. Yeah. One of them's a member of the Red Army and the other one's like a like a girl boss. Yeah. Like fucking she's like oh i'm i'm a i'm a tough girl yeah. who's very capable she spends a lot of time menacing rinsman with a knife which is good and cool to do don't get me wrong yeah yeah but she doesn't really like do much yeah she's just kind of there it's, to provide a like essentially like a bumper for uh to keep rinsewood on track it's so so weird because pratchett is stuck between this is a scary threatening lady she's spooky and powerful and much more threatening than rinsewind is but also all people from this continent are kind of uh obedient and not threatening and he does both of them at the same time with her and it just yeah it's so weird. He'll have her be threatening in one scene, and then the next scene, like, well, we won't do anything, obviously. And it's mm -hmm. just bad. Yeah, yeah like, she she, kid, she puts a bag over Rinswin's head and threatens him repeatedly with a knife, and also gives him, like, a, yeah. a backstory. Like, oh, by the way, if anyone asks, you're from it's... here. But, ah. Uh... The fucking weird thing is, too, that, like, 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 maybe the... I feel like the Terry of maybe, like, three or four books ago would have just been like, okay, this is Two Flower's daughter. She's essentially the same as Two Flower, except that she's a girl and also kind of good at fighting. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do a little heterosexual romance thing with her and Rincewind, but they don't, they don't do that. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that I would have liked that better, but it would, have, it would have at least maybe been like kind of a weaker but still present version of the original dynamic that made... Rincewind, at least, uh, I'm not going to say compelling, palatable in the first place. Yeah, because, like, I guess. But we had I this already. This is this was, um, not pure, it's the other Rincewind. The one where they go to Fantasy India, where they go to Clatch, and, like, there's another. Oh, Jingo. Yeah. Jingo is later, yeah. No, no, we, we read one where, this is when we or read no, uh, Sorcery, Sorcery, yeah, Sorcery, Sorcery. Where, like, you know. There's another like cool girl with a knife who stops being in, who stops like doing anything cool pretty early on. I just I just want that cool girl back. I forget. Yeah. I think her name was like Karina or something. Yeah. I wanted that cool girl with a knife back. Yeah. I wish I wish I knew where that cool girl I, with a knife I was. I feel like she was originally supposed to be someone who was at least had her own plan and was just using Rincewind because you needed a quote-unquote great wizard to get anyone else to go mm -hmm. along with mm -hmm. the plan. Yeah. But yeah, she yeah. also just kind of falls apart by the time they get into the Forbidden City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this is, a, this is a constant problem that Terry has, is he, like, quickly... He's good at, like, introducing female characters to spur the male protagonist to action, and then he runs out of shit for them to do. And he's still having this issue. She still has a knife. It, Come on. 
it doesn't help that, like, I found it difficult to tell a lot of the characters apart because they're all named, like, number two other things. Because that's yeah, what Terry thinks is, all people are named over there. Which is so weird. Like, I mean, I guess he's having, he's kind of playing backwards from if everybody must be named like Two Flower. Yeah. <sighs> it, yeah. But then he should have been like Two Something Flower. But I guess maybe yeah. it's like a, maybe it's like nobody uses their middle name. Or I don't, I don't fucking get it. Yeah, there's yeah, also two flowers. Also, name is one where everyone else has a space in it. It doesn't matter. There's also, I, I just want to complain about the villain again. Uh, mm-hmm. Pratchett does a thing here that he's done before, and it's not good. Where he's just like, this villain is the smartest person to ever live, and so much better at chess than anyone else, and perfectly good at everything. Uh, we don't see that. He has one plan, mm-hmm. and it goes wrong, and that's it. And then at the end, he's just kind of pathetic. There, there's no moment where you're like, oh, the villain, that's that's impressive. I get how he's such a threat and so in control. He just kind of gets yeah. a couple of moments of being mildly interesting, I mean, and we, then that's We get it. that he's the one that's been setting up the Red Army in the first place. Yeah, but like, like and, yeah, it doesn't any work. Any instances of, are, are him, and that, but yeah, it's like, as far as we actually know, there's like just the one cell. Yeah, and it kind of takes the wind out of it when it's like, yeah, like, yeah, he backed the Red Army and they're a real threat, but like, the Red Army sucks. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I don't know. It's, it seems like if you have this much amount of power, you don't need a revolution to justify being a dick to people. But, like, just like, in, in, in a lot of, like, in, like, I really enjoy the watch books. One of the big things with the watch is they're all mysteries where you're trying to catch a murderer or something. And in those books, you have a reason to be worried about the villain. They did a murder that's really impressive and it hasn't been solved yet. And spending the whole book trying to figure out what happens usually makes you go, dang, that's pretty impressive. Here he's just, they just say that he's very cool and powerful. They just say, wow, this guy sure is the most powerful, smart guy around. He's supposed to be a veterinary, but, like, he's not as fun or interesting as veterinary is. It would have been funny for just something to turn out, like, it just turns out he's been hijacking the narrator or something like that. Or, like, that... It, 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 that everything about his weird perfectionism was itself an act or just anything to make him a more interesting character. Yeah. Like we're supposed, and like we're again, not to dig it back up, but like we're supposed to find the fact that he wants to be a white person. He wants to be like an Ankh-Morporkian as like this amazing, oh weird secret. We're supposed Instead to find of just it like cringe and embarrassing that he could ever yeah. want to. It's so, the politics there are so, they're so bad, but they're bad in such a tangled up way. I don't want to touch it. I don't mm. even want to think it's about so, it. It's so, it's, it's, I mean, it is, it is a flavor of white supremacy. It's just straight up. Yeah, it's, oh God, it's bad. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, that, like that, that is, it's like the parts, the parts of him that aren't that are flimsy and boring. And the parts that him that are that are radioactive. Yeah. It's, they're, 
Also, I do want to make it clear, like, two things. One, we are not unpacking a lot of this book. There's a ton of this book we just aren't talking about because it's not worth talking about, or it's too fucked up and weird, or it's just more of what we've already talked about. Yeah. It just keeps mm-hmm. going and going and going yeah, there, and going. There's one guy whose name I wrote down. I don't even want to say on the podcast because it's Jesus Christ, Terry. It's a tiny uh, dick joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, and then, and then in case you didn't get it, it points out that it's a tiny dick joke. Yeah, yeah, he explains it to us. There's so many jokes about Unix. Yep. It. Yeah. Yep. Which is weird because Hex only shows up at the start and the end of the book. Yeah, yeah. That, that, wow, that's like a better. That's a Unix yeah. Joke that is a better joke than was in, in this book. Yeah, book. You think Good you job. Gone for it. Good job. Why did he make that joke? Um. But, I think it's because yeah. they already used it in a doper strip in like 1993. And also, the book does mm. actually end with Cohen, who is Conan the Barbarian, who is very much British ideal of a conquering hero, beating the Empire, taking it over, being in charge, and deciding to, deciding to make it more British. Mm-hmm. That is how the book ends. Like, that's the good ending for everyone. That's what it is. Yeah. You yep. get you get the implication that Two Flowers going to be more in charge and do more stuff, but it's a vague implication. That mm-hmm. that that is how the book ends. It's not good. Yeah, and like we've seen how the horde treats its underlings in the past, so it's like how how stable is that? Also like chart, you could you know even I mean? unpack the fact that Two Flower, the one kind of sympathetic and given agency character is given that by the fact that he's interacted with white people like there's so fucking much in this book that's bad yeah it's, like their, mm-hmm. their their whole communist manifesto is two flowers what i did on my summer vacation essay which i will say I find that guy kind of funny. I, I like the joke that he wrote uh, what I did on my summer vacation essay and like it became this big thing. I would like the joke more or at all if it then didn't become the core ideology of the story in a way yeah. that's fucking rancid. Yep. Mm-hmm. It would have been funny in a different book. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> There's... I... It's it's really hard to talk about. Like, oh, how would we make this book better? Because it's just like I I think we would have to do a full teardown, like build from scratch, and also by a different author. <laughs> I think this book should have been about Hex. I like I like him. I think they yeah. should make more book about the computer. Hex was cool. It'd be fun. Unlike unlike Iris, know. this book has made me into a hardcore Chinese nationalist. <laughs> I've just decided uh-huh. to go really hard. Uh, if this is what if this is what uh, England can do, then they deserve to just get conquered. Fuck it, we're uh, done. Um, Ameri- American McGee was onto something. Maybe that's, he read this book and decided like this was for him. Uh, <laughs> I do not think you have to hand it to American <laughs> McGee either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Creator of create. Oh God, I don't even remember the name of that one game. Alice Madness Returns. No, no, his really yeah. bad game. Uh, uh, what, uh, what's it called? Uh, Alice Madness Returns. <laughs> <laughs> no, people actually like that game. Which one is it? Uh, oh yeah, Bad Day LA. Supposedly one oh. of the worst games ever made. Absolutely miserable. Okay. Everyone hates it. Jesus. Okay, y'all heard his tragic backstory, right? I'm sure. I've... Oh yeah, that that was yeah. wild. Where like 
Okay, so, and Irish, you can cut this out if you want, but, um, so, American McGee, uh, A, that is, like, his birth name. His mom named him that after some hippie lady he knew or something. Like, his mom was a hippie, and she thought that was a good name. And also, his tragic backstory is he came home from school one day to find out that his house was empty, and it had been sold out from under him because his mom fell in love with a trans woman, and sold the house to skip town and pay for her GRS. Yeah. And and yet, and yet, American Mickey didn't become a weird transphobe. Yeah. You can argue he became a lot of other weird things, but he didn't become a weird transphobe. Yeah. So it's, no it's, one else has an excuse. Yeah, no it's one. what that, that genuinely yeah. traumatic thing happened to him, but, like, he just makes a video game like, what if Alice in Wonderland was fucked up? Like, good for him, honestly. Like, he's... Processing his trauma in some way that doesn't result in rancid transphobia, so good for him. Anyways, well, uh, I don't think I have anything else to talk about with this book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, let's get to those rankings, checking on the big board here. So uh, why, don't we, why don't we do something we haven't done in a while? Would you say this was better or worse than Eric? I think it was worse. I think this was oh, harder okay. for me to finish reading than Eric. Okay. I, my argument here is that I mean, for one thing, I'm agreeing with you, but Eric was boring and at, honestly, like it was mediocre in the against a bunch of actually good books. This was mm. actively repulsive. Yeah, like yeah. only a third of Eric was racist, as opposed to this one. I I just yeah. reading Eric, I just came away from it like I didn't like reading this. I I, I my time was wasted. I I could have done something else, and I shouldn't have read it. The feeling you get when you watch something, you're just like, this is bad, and there's no reason I should have done it. I feel like reading this book actually, I I regret it. I actually mm-hmm. sit here and I go, this was a mistake, and I feel worse for having read it, and it's bad, and I'm mad that this book exists like it does. Mm-hmm. Eric mm-hmm. is just kind of there. Yeah. I just hate this. <sighs> yeah, that's that's about where I'm at. Plus. You gotta, you gotta admit, Eric is quite a bit shorter than this book. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. This book is like, <laughs> even in like the paperback version, this book is three hundred and sixty-eight pages. Christ. That is a, that is wildly long. It's one of the longest Discworld books we've read so far, and spending three hundred and sixty-eight pages of wallowing in this fucking blows. Yeah, yeah like Eric at least was like maybe like half that size, and it was very generously typeset. Yeah, because. It was supposed to be illustrated, at least at one point in its life. Yeah, yeah. Weirdly, they don't keep printing it like that. It's going to be interesting when we get to the other illustrated Discworld novel, The Last Hero, which, hey, is about Cohen again, and which I don't think they've printed in a non-illustrated format. Uh, it's very, very we'll get to that thoroughly when we get to illustrated. It. Yeah, it's extremely illustrated. It's, it's as close as you can get to being a comic book without actually being a comic book. I I am um, curious about that one. I'm curious about the last continent. I'm curious about all of them, just because. Wow, we are now, zero and four on Rincewind books. Zero and five. How many? Yeah. yeah. Like I know there are Rincewind yeah. defenders out there, but every time I talk to them, I'm like, are we reading the same book? Yeah. Like I. I it's re- It's really weird. I can. I can. <laughs> this book made me understand people who enjoy the color of magic and the light fantastic yeah. more. Because at least those books were just doing bad, slightly uh, comedy. 
Yeah. This book is mm-hmm. trying to be more than that, and in the process, being much, much, yeah. much less. It, it was worth it. This reminded us of the first two books. Like I was just like finally remembering those. Like oh yeah, yo, that was that was better than this. Yeah, that was so weird. It's like oh wait, that was the one where like Cohen marries a fifteen-year-old, right? Oh, Christ. Uh, so yeah, I think this is the uh, bottom of the list. What the fuck happened to her, anyways? Uh, she died on the way back to her home planet. I mean, oh. I think- Cohen did probably either kill her or just kind of decide to leave one day. Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. Uh, I'll, I'll, we, we, like, we I don't remember her actually getting mentioned. There's. There's one there's one comment about him saying that he just that he sacked a farm and decided he was going to live there but that lasted like a couple of hours and then he left. But there was nothing there about, you know, his actual fucking wife? Mhm. I'm I'm pulling it up on the L space wiki if it loads. Uh computer Cohen's wife. Let me check to see if we had any fan mail or messages. But yeah, you've been listening to Discovers uh <laughs> If this is your first episode, that's wild. Yeah, if this is your uh, first episode, I'm one. really sorry. If you if you liked this book, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. I'm, yeah. I mean, I could understand mm-hmm. someone enjoying this if they had absolutely no yeah. awareness of anything in it, but uh, it's not. It's we, not good. Yeah. We like, encourage yeah, you to you skip can... this book, and we honestly would understand if you skip this episode. Yeah. Like I, if you if you want to disagree with us, I mean, I'd love to hear your opinions. I. If they're gross opinions, I won't read them on air. But if you have, like, an interesting reason why you like this book, then sure, I'll listen to yeah. it. But, like, I, f- I find that highly unlikely is all I'm going to say. Yeah, like, one friend of mine tried to tell me, oh, I thought Pratchett was satirizing this sort of worldview. But, like, nothing nothing going to really suggest that this worldview is wrong. It's just text. If, like, If anything, the only mm-hmm. moments where the book seems to be serious are the moments where white people get to express yeah. their opinion about how stupid everyone else is. Mm-hmm. It's... Ugh. It's not great. Uh, also, L yeah. Space is unfortunately not loading, so I'm having trouble discovering yeah. what's up with... Uh, and, uh, and we didn't get any other uh, fan mail this month so hey i don't blame uh, you if you'd like to send us some fan messages uh our email address is disc at hypnovirus or hypnovirus.us that's d-i-s-c at sign h-y-p-n-o-v-i-r.us disc at hypnovirus.us uh drop us a line if you're reading along let us know what you thought of the latest book uh i hope you're not reading along if it's this book uh but if you survive through it uh let us know what you thought um also, feel free to message us about past Terry Pratchett books or future ones, or just let us know how you're doing. We like getting mail. Uh, you can also find us on social media at DiscPod on Twitter and also on Mastodon, the decentralized social media network at DiscPod at queer.party. Uh, we are on a lot of different podcasts platforms as well i just added us to a bunch of others like google podcasts and like we're on stitcher now i don't think we're on stitcher before we're on stitcher now so that's something uh so hey this is a great time uh to tell your friends about us to uh let them know that there is a very very cool book club podcast that you're listening to and tell them uh that the latest episode is about a real stinkeroo of a book so if they enjoy listening to people rag on something then uh they can listen to that okay so Um, 
I, I did manage to bring up the L Space wiki on Cohen, and it just says, Cohen married Benthan, blah, blah, blah. It is presumed they broke up at some point. Oh, it's just presumed? <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's, wow. here's Bethan's page on L Space. Does, does that say anything? Because, yeah, it's not loading on my computer for some uh, Yeah, I have to look at the Internet Archive version. Um, she was one of the myriad... She was one of the myriad of buxom, buxom wenches whom Cohen the Barbarian has ravished in his longest sojourn of adventure across the disc. That's a choice. Yeah. Oh, that's respectful. That's, oh boy. Jesus. That's it? Well, Nothing? at least that means that Cohen is confirmed to be a literal, actual, epic divorce man. Yeah, like he doesn't oh, have boy. a daughter, remember? Oh boy. Yeah. Well, I hope she's having a good time out there. I, I hope I that- miss the I miss the cool lady with the knife. <laughs> I I'm going to imagine that she's a divorced lesbian somewhere talking about that really, re- that one time that she got married and it sure was a choice and she's going to end up with some uh, MILF and have a great time and get over her really weird ex who is kind of racist. Please. Jesus Christ. Okay, so I, I looked up Conina, We're- his daughter, and I forgot that she is described as having platinum blonde hair and, quote, an exotically dark skin. What the fuck, Terry? Christ. What is... Oh, God. Uh, anyways yeah. uh, this has been discoverers tune in next week when uh, we don't talk about a book like this uh, yeah next, next time, time we're going to be talking about masquerade oh the one about musical theater which i'm i am a lot more excited for that book. Yeah, not because I, it's necessarily one of the the greats but uh it's it's very silly at the very least i'm excited at the very least pratchett is talking about like British musical theater, which is something mm-hmm. that he's definitely more aware of than uh, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm Iris J. You can find me online at Iris J Comics on Twitter and also on Mastodon at Iris J Comics at Mastodon at Social. Also co-host, co-host.org slash Iris J Comics. Uh, I have another podcast called Sand Job. That is me, my partner Nero O'Reilly, and our friend uh, Jesse Earl reading through the entirety of the Sandman series of comic books uh, with a modern perspective. You can check that out at anchor.fm slash sandjob. Um, we have two episodes in the can. We're going to be scheduling a third soon. Kind of take a little bit of a break due to stuff. But yeah, I'm really excited for that as well. Uh, it, it might be cool to have a crossover at some point to do, I don't know. It it would be a nightmare to read Good Omens because Good Omens is not a good fucking book. Mm-hmm. But uh, unpopular opinion, it's not as good as you remember it being. Oh, but, should, you know, maybe. We should totally do a bonus mm-hmm. episode with y'all. Just like do a Good Omens episode crossover bonus thing. Mm-hmm. That would be maybe, great. Maybe, perhaps. Yeah, let me float that idea uh, after we finish recording. Um, but yeah, as for my non Discworld thing that I will recommend, uh, I'm going to recommend a game that I've been playing with uh, my partner on the couch after work uh, called Cult of the Lamb. Uh, it's a game where you play as a little a little sheep who nearly gets sacrificed by a uh, a dark and sinister faith, but you get rescued by essentially the antagonist of this dark and sinister faith, like a, like a, like a a Lucifer kind of a figure. And he grants you amazing powers with which you can build a flock of followers. And, uh, 
kill the four bishops of the faith that tried to kill you. Um, it's kind of like a roguelike meets uh, like a like a farming sim, which is weird. The roguelike parts are just okay. I really like the farming sim parts because it's also like, what if Harvest Moon was fucked up and evil? Uh, and it's very cute looking. I'm enjoying it. It's it's an indie game, so it has some bugs and problems and stuff. But overall, it's been a really fun way to spend time. It's kind of strange to me that the entire plot of that is just the plot for from friggin' Soul Reaver. You're I right. don't know what Soul Reaver is. I don't Reaver understand is. this oh, well. at all, but uh, someone will. Oh well. Oh well. Yeah. If you enjoyed this, please send us an email saying that you enjoyed that specific joke. Because <laughs> someone has to understand it. Someone has I, I to hope play Cold I hope there's a w- and Soul Reaver and like I, gets this. I hope there's a oh, way I to see. find all the Reeve heads in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one Shimigami Tensei game where there was the guy who played the saxophone or whatever? No, it's the second Legacy of Kane game where you play oh. a vampire who was betrayed by his brother and then rescued by an elder god. So you have to go around killing all the other vampires. Oh, oh fucking sick. Okay, right, that well, that sounds sense. cool as well. Anyways, I'm still Belina. I'm still probably best found in the show notes or wherever I'm burying my face today. I don't think I have a good alternative plug tonight because I just haven't been able to get much done lately. That's fair. That's fair. <sighs> Would you plug Soul Reaver? <laughs> Are you a Reaver, Belina? Look, look the Maybe last you just t- did. The last time I played it was a pirated copy on the Dreamcast, so I have no clue how, how good that game actually was. Mm-hmm. Pro tip, uh, play Soul Reaver, but only if you're playing it as a pirated copy on a Dreamcast machine. Yeah, and you're uh. it's it's a like a number of years ago. Do that in the past yeah. Yeah. and then come to the future and tell us how it is. Yeah, we recommend having had played Soul Reaver. Yeah, we don't we don't want to know Perfect. if you just played it. Well, I mean, sure, message us about that too. But specifically, go into the past and do it. That's more. Accurate. I regret all of my choices tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, uh, I'm I'm um, well, I'm Juniper. Uh, you can find me at Juniper Theory on Twitter at Juniper Theory on Cohost. Uh, you can find me all over the place online. Uh, hopefully, going to be starting another podcast soon where me and my uh, partner are going to go through every Netrunner expansion and talk about the flavor Ooh. of it because Ooh. I'm obsessed oh, with that card game and I really like talking about oh, weird I'm cyberpunk flavors. So gonna flavor. listen to that. Fuck yeah! yeah. Uh, listening God. to you rave about Netrunner is always a joy. It is yeah. the best card yeah, game so ever good made. At it. I don't plug it at the end of the podcast because I would plug it every single month over and over again. But you should play it and you should message me on Twitter about it and get me to help you learn it so that you can play it because it's the best game ever made. I want to play it with you again sometime. Or not again. I want to play with you sometime. I played it a few times in the past with my friend uh, Gerark, but uh, shout out to Gerark. You're probably not listening, but (laughs) hey. Hi. Hi, Gerard. Okay. Uh, aside from that, my my actual uh, non-that recommendations, well, I'm going to recommend, uh, this week I watched Bride of Frankenstein, the old movie. Hey, it's still really good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not really a horror movie, but it's pretty spooky, and it's got a villain who just kind of asks, what if the devil was a bit fruity? What if he was kind of a bit gay? And mm-hmm. it's oh queer villain pride. No, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Iris. If you haven't seen this, you definitely should because it sure is just kind of it's it's a great thing. It's fun to watch. Um, I'll check. Also, it out also, yeah. I've played nothing but Splatoon three for the past few days, and it's fantastic. It's the best one they've ever made. And uh, also, 
uh, not to just keep recommending things, I'd like to recommend Belina because I really appreciate Belina. Belina, genuinely, good. I'm yeah. really thankful. To, Belina is delightful. Yeah, I'm thankful to talk to you and know you and just have you as a friend. Yeah, so I, I recommend you. I recommend having Belina as a friend for a very mm-hmm. long time mm-hmm. and being able to be close. You should always appreciate it, Belina. I'll recommend that. Yeah. All right. Thankfully, oh. blushing doesn't come across on the, the voice recording. Aww. You're listening to Moof Covers, <laughs> the uh, podcast where we read, review, and rate our favorite wolf cow, uh, Belina Mack. I think we should get to tuck Belina in. I think that would be good. Yes. Oh. Uh, I have been the internet's beloved Princess Grace. You can find my writing programs, podcast posts, everything else is fit to plug, including merch at princess.software. Uh, as for what I'm going to recommend, usually I look at like what I've been doing recently, and the only two things on my you know on my mind recently have been My Little Pony Friendship is Magic Equestria Girls, which I can in good con- I cannot in good conscience recommend. So the other option here is Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, which is pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I can't. It's argue probably with that. my favorite Star Trek series. It's it's got bangers in it. Hell yeah! Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate you spending your time here again. Join us next month for our episode on Masquerade. Yeah. Until then, keep on disking. Yeah, and disking. Hopefully, hopefully, we won't have another real stinker of an episode for. Oh yeah, we got at least three good episodes ahead of us. So. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, they won't be interesting times. Uh, <laughs> hey. Y'all keep saying ominous shit. <laughs>